Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today, I'm here with Daniel Ebrey from Mindset Ventures. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, Daniel, tell us about yourself and about Mindset Ventures. Let's get you introduced to our entrepreneur audience. Okay, sure. So uh, Mindset is an early stage uh, tech invest- investor, uh, both in the U.S. and Israel. So we invest in these two geographies only, uh, and we try to help companies expand uh, later to Latin America, especially to Brazil. So okay. we, are, we have a Brazilian presence. So myself, I'm, I'm Brazilian. I'm, I'm mostly, most of my time, I would say, in, in Sao Paulo. Uh, mm-hmm. We have partners also in San Francisco and Tel Aviv. So... Uh, we mainly raise money from Brazilian high net worth individuals and family offices, invest in Israel and the U.S., and then help companies come and do business here. And how big is the fund? So we are now running $22 million, uh, mm-hmm. and we should start raising our next fund in the middle of the year, which, which is probably going to be much, much bigger. Okay. And what um, kind of stuff do you like to invest in? B2B, B2C, what, what's your sweet spot? Sure. So we invest in B2B only. Uh, and I would say that we are more focused on five segments. So healthcare, education, fintech, agriculture, and cybersecurity. So mm-hmm. we now have 36 companies in our portfolio. It's quite a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But they are mostly uh, concentrated in these five segments. Okay. And um, are you saying that these companies are born in Israel and they come into Brazil? Is that the normal trajectory of a company that you participate in? Exactly. So we, uh, it's not a need for the company to, to come to Brazil or to Latin America for us to invest. I mean, we can invest in anything that's a good opportunity. But normally when we join the rounds, it's because entrepreneurs and founders see uh, that our value is, of course, not uh, only the money, but also the ability to help them expand to a new geography. And we really believe that Brazil, you know, as a big country, as the economy is growing, it's a, it's a huge market for, for lots of, of startups, especially in those segments that I mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're talking about Israel, I think it's a little bit more obvious because Israel is such a small country, they don't have a, a, a good internal market, right? So they need to develop right. something there and go abroad. Uh, And the normal route has always been going to the U.S., but that has become uh, every time more competitive, more expensive. So it's hard to test and scale in the U.S. If you mess up, you don't have another chance, I would say. So if you come to Brazil and you can, you know, gain scale and test the waters and and find your best go-to-market strategy, etc., then if you go to the U.S. afterwards, you are much more uh, confident that you you have what it takes to scale. So that's what we did. Uh, very interesting investment thesis. What stage do you come in? So we normally invest early stage around Series A. So um, it's normally pre-A, A or post-A. So of course we did C, we did Series B, but normally it's around something around Series A. And we normally and- uh, co-invest with local funds. So uh, it's also a very important part of the strategy. We try not to lead the rounds. Uh, we normally co-invest with local VCs and angels that are leading the rounds, and we're trying to join these rounds uh, as a strategic investor for bringing another geography. So, so these are Israeli investors that you have relationships with, and 
and you come in as a follow, Israelis do the lead, and you come in as a follow to bring them into Brazil. Exactly, uh, in, and in the U.S. the same. So we normally complement rounds. So let's assume... Oh, so you do U.S., uh, Brazil as well? No, Brazil no, actually. We are only investing in the U.S. and Israel. So only two geographies. Right, but you invest in U.S. as well. I missed that. I, I thought you were doing just Israel, Brazil, but you're saying you're doing Israel you or U.S. coming into Brazil. Exactly, exactly. So U.S. companies or Israeli companies uh, both interested in coming to Brazil, but not, not Brazilian startups. Okay, let's talk about some examples. Talk me through like some of the highlights of your portfolio that are representative of what kinds of things have you been investing in? Sure, so I'll give you one example from Israel and one from the US. I think it's going to be yep. helpful. So, Perfect. Uh, from, so from Israel, we have a company uh, called Taranis. Uh, this company is an ag tech company in the agriculture space. They just closed their Series B. Uh, we've been investors in them since the beginning. I think we did the seed round Series A and also followed another Series B. Mm -hmm. uh, so they do precision agriculture with several layers of information, machine learning, cameras, and, and all of that, right? So uh, we know that Israel is very strong uh, in the agriculture space because they have an agriculture past and, and etc. Uh, and we know that Brazil is a big uh, market for ag tech startups. So mm -hmm. what we did with Taran is we, we helped them from the start. Uh, first of all, of course, we brought the founders. We helped them explore potential uh, ways of going to market, finding potential consumers, starting POCs, etc. And then, of course, after they started, you know, generating some kind of revenue and traction on the ground, we helped them uh, open the office here. So uh, Brazilian has a, a very difficult regulation, so you need to know the right people, lawyers, etc. So uh, we took them to the right people so they can open a branch here. Then we helped them hire a, a country manager, so we helped them inter interview the right people. Um, and nowadays, they are really well doing business in Brazil. It's one of their main markets outside of Israel, of course. Uh, and how, um, so, how many customers, how many Brazilian customers have they added since you got involved? Uh, since we invested in the company, I would say considering direct farmers and indirect to distributors, probably more than 30. Oh, fantastic. That's awesome. So this one yeah, is an Israeli is example. Job. Talk about a U.S. one. Sure. So there's a company uh, that will be closing the Series B soon called PayJoy. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a company from San Francisco. Uh, so what they do is they have a, a software, like a B2B SaaS software, that helps uh, 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 vendors or retailers lock smartphones uh, uh, remotely. So if, let's say, you're buying a smartphone from a shop and you're, let's say, a low-income person and you need to pay that installments or you need some credit to buy a, your new iPhone or something like that. So what mm -hmm. they do with the software, they install it on your, your, your smartphone and it becomes a collateral for the credit operation. So if you don't pay your installment or if you don't pay the, the lender, then your cell phone gets completely blocked remotely and it's completely... Uh, you cannot utilize it anymore, right? So they, they sell this to merchants or to, to bank institutions to help them diminish their delinquency rates. Uh, so that's, that's very interesting. They've been doing this in the U.S. They have grown into Mexico. Uh, and, and when we joined them uh, almost a year ago, 
they were starting uh, the efforts to go to other developing countries. So they were starting to go to Africa, to some countries in Southeast Asia, and also they were willing to come to Brazil. Uh, okay. And the pay, and the pay, the the play here in Brazil is very interesting because if you go to a retail shop, let's say electronic retailers, what it's gonna be something similar to Best Buy. Uh, if you go to them here, you can normally pay uh, your high-end equipment installments. So in your credit card, you can separate that in 10, 12 installments. So it's pretty common for the Brazilian market. But these retailers end up giving credit direct to consumers out of their own balance sheet. And the delinquency rate is huge. I mean, really huge. I cannot say the numbers, but something around 30 to 50%. So it's really meaningful, mm -hmm. right? Uh, mm -hmm. So we helped uh, I come to Brazil. Uh, they came with the, one of the founders, the managers. We took them to the sea level of the biggest retailers, uh, banks and fintechs in Brazil to reach for partnerships and see how they can help uh, buy the technology to diminish the delinquency rates. And it was really good. I mean, the reaction of the people here was like, they were all amazed and willing to implement. Uh, this was, I don't know, less than six months ago, and they're already starting two pilots uh, here in Brazil. So that's, that's also a very good case. Yeah, excellent. So you, would you say you have special uh, expertise to open up the Brazil, Brazilian market for ag tech, for fintech, what, what, where, would you, where would you say you have this kind of relationships in? So I'd say anything inside these five sectors, uh, we can be relevant. So anything inside uh, agriculture, fintech, healthcare, education, and cyber. Um, mm -hmm. Because most of our LPs are, you know, either high-net-worth individuals, some of them are executives in very high levels in you know, almost all the big Brazilian corporations. Uh, so they really help us open the relevant doors when the time comes, when the companies uh, come to Brazil. So we've okay. done some work for cybersecurity companies here, talking to big Brazilian banks and insurance companies as well. So, yeah, we have like probably nine companies out of our portfolio are already working with Brazilian clients, which is, which is pretty good. Very good. Yeah, all right. Excellent. And what size checks do you write normally? So normally we do an average of 500,000. Uh, we have gone a little bit up and a little bit down, depending on the case, but the average is 500,000. And do you have preferred partners, investors that you like to invest with typically around uh, in, in the Bay Area or in America or in Israel that are specifically so, have specific expertise or interest in Latin America? So uh, I think in Israel, I think we do, uh, but we try not to choose a lot of the partners. We try always to focus on the entrepreneurs and the founders. So uh, okay. it's, it's actually a very good question because normally when we, we show some of our investors that we co-invested with, let's say, Sequoia and Dreesen and all these guys, everyone asks us how, how these guys let you get into the deal, what's your pitch to them. And I always say that we don't pitch to Sequoia, we pitch to the entrepreneurs. So I, I strongly believe that uh, the, the entrepreneurs and the founders are the ones who need to uh, be convinced about our value to be on board and that we can really generate, you know, some, some smart money for them. And then they bring us on board the round. So it's actually our, our job is much more closely to the founders and entrepreneurs than to other VCs. In but practice. what about uh, finding the deals? I mean, you are in, in Brazil. Uh, how, how are you finding the entrepreneurs in Israel and the U.S.? to get to have that relationship with the entrepreneurs 
So we, uh, so first of all, we have uh, one partner based in San Francisco, one in Tel Aviv that really helps. Uh, the other thing, we are close to almost all accelerators in both countries, from like Y Combinator and Techstars to the smaller ones. Uh, and of course, we are connected to other VCs, especially in Israel. Uh, they have been great and providing us with good opportunities to co-invest as well. Uh, one important point, I think it's it's important is. Uh, we have a global partnership relationship with Microsoft. So uh, before starting Mindset, I was uh, running a corporate fund here in Brazil in which Microsoft was one of the main LPs together with Qualcomm and Monsanto and other players. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a very, very uh, close relationship with Microsoft. And when we started Mindset, uh, we, we, we did a formal um, global partnership agreement in which Microsoft actually provides us with lots of deal flow uh, in both countries, actually worldwide, uh, and that's a big source of, 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 of companies for I us. I see. Interesting. Okay. Very good. And um, are you looking for unicorn-style investments, or are you also interested in the smaller niche plays that are going to have smaller exits, let's say 50 to $100 million exits? So we are interested in the smaller ones, uh, and I, uh, I honestly believe that's a very smart, you know, niche to be at this time, uh, yeah. because if you want to with the big guys for unicorns, etc., I think it makes sense. And that's one of the advantages to have a smaller fund, right? That's one of the things I like about not having a two, three hundred million dollar fund in which I have to really have a unicorn on the portfolio to pay back the fund. But if you have yeah. smaller funds and you do kind of M&As and smaller exits or even secondaries along the way, you can really provide a good return to your LPs if you are, you know, close to your founders. Yeah, that's correct. I think that's a very, uh, you know, interesting uh, observation. I've talked to numerous uh, investors and some don't agree, some don't want to do that, some do. But I think increasingly the smaller funds are starting to come around to the mentality that, uh, that this is a doing smaller capital efficient uh, businesses that will get acquired for smaller exits is perfectly is a perfectly reasonable way for venture funds to operate. I totally agree. Totally agree. Especially for a newcomer that is not a huge fund with a huge reputation. Yeah. Now, um, what what do you? have to say about the Brazilian market, you know, in, in terms of things for entrepreneurs to keep in mind if they want to come to Brazil as a market coming from the U.S., coming from Israel, or maybe in due course coming from anywhere. You know, we have, we have a global uh, footprint, so we see companies everywhere in the world. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if a company wants to come into Brazil, what should they keep in mind? So, uh, first of all, they, they should bear in mind the opportunity, right? So, it's a, it's a, a very big country, uh, uh, also in economic terms, not only about the 200-something million uh, people that live here. Uh, and, and the opportunity is really great. We are fast adopters. We really like technology. Uh, one of the top three or top five consumers for most of the apps in the world being social media like Facebook, being like WhatsApp users, being Uber riders, anything that relates to technology. So Brazil is really, really doing well. Uh, mm -hmm. So the opportunity is great. 
Uh, on the second hand, they should bear in mind some uh, things that are very peculiar to our uh, way of doing stuff and to our culture. So, first of all, everything takes time, right? We had, uh, uh, I'm saying this because we had a, a conversation. One of our founders from the U.S. was here like three months ago, uh, and he, we took them to some meetings. It was great. And then he was trying to follow up, and then he was complaining to me, saying, hey, I went to the meetings, all meetings were great, everyone told me they loved it, they want to buy that, but now I'm trying to follow up, they don't, they don't even open my email, right? So mm -hmm. it's a cultural thing, it, it really takes time, you need to come here, you need to look face-to-face, -face. you need to cultivate the relationship, and relationships are very important to us. Sometimes it's not about what you're selling, but about who you're selling to, right? You need to find common links, common relationships, uh, because everything takes time. So that's one uh, very important insight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the second one I, that I, I can say is that things are a little bit bureaucratic, right? So uh, also relates to the first insight of takes time, uh, but now on the bureaucracy side. So if you're setting up shop or if you're you know renting an apartment, uh, buying a cell phone, opening your company, hiring people, uh, these are not easy things to do especially if you come from the U.S., right? The process here is complicated. You need to know the right persons. You need to probably find the right lawyers to help you with. So uh, it's not something you can, you know, we always uh, joke here that Brazil is not for beginners, right? You cannot just take a plane, come here and try to do business. It's definitely not going to work because it's, it's a long process. You need to know the right way of doing that. But if you, if you find it, you can really be successful because the opportunity is great. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, so what is the scale of the uh, consumer internet population right now in Brazil? So we have passed the mark of an average of uh, more than a smartphone per person uh, recently. So, so that shows you that a huge amount of the population is connected, right? We have uh, very good broadband in most of the country. Uh, and we have people that really use digital services, which is great. So e-commerce has been growing a lot. Uh, digital banking. So we have uh, one of our unicorns here from Brazil. It's called Nubank. It's a, a fintech startup that was invested by Sequoia at the beginning. Now they are valued at around $4 billion. Uh, And they are doing amazingly well. And what they do is they provide digital banking accounts and credit cards, especially for millennials. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And people are really, really sticking to that, right? So we, we see a big inflow of Brazil, especially the younger generation, really coming to the Internet and doing everything by their own. So you can imagine that uh, scooter sharing, for instance, is, is booming here, right? Something that I was not imagining like six months ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Uber, I, I heard that they don't, don't disclose that, but I heard that Sao Paulo is the biggest Uber market in the world for Uber. So... There's something amazing. WhatsApp is unbelievably big. Waze, because of the traffic, so no one uh, leaves their house with the car uh, until they turn on Waze because you, you never know what the traffic is. So there are things that really are now part of the Brazilian uh, population's life. You know, that's pretty interesting to see. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very uh, digitally savvy customer base. Yeah, exactly. And, and people are gaining confidence, you know, in, in buying online. We had a big... A barrier for people to shop online, especially if they're putting their credit cards, because we have a past of, you know, all the things about, you know, cyber attacks, corruption and schemes and all that. So 
historically, people were afraid of doing that, but we have seen this barrier uh, break around, around the years. So e-commerce has been growing as a representative of overall uh, retail in Brazil. It's not, of course, as high as the U.S., but we've been, been growing quite steadily over the past years. And uh, so your business, though, is B2B. So how, um, how is the business side of Brazil um, consume, becoming you know, good adopters of technology? Are they, is there a good, strong early adopter population on the business side? Uh, I would say yes, but less than the consumer space. Uh, I would mm. say the consumer space, it's, it's easier on the population. The corporations are moving slower. Uh, mm. But we've seen some movements that are very interesting, uh, like uh, big Brazilian corporations developing their corporate VC arms or corporate accelerators, corporate labs, whatever you call it. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're really uh, opening their heads to this thing about, you know, innovation, working with startups, working with new tech to foster their businesses. Uh, and this is a big movement that, movement that is really spreading all over. So you can see that in several, you know, big corporations in Brazil. But mm-hmm. a, a very impo- interesting fact is that if you take the biggest, you know, companies in the world, especially on the tech side, if you say, you know, Microsoft, IBM, SAP, Amazon, all these guys, everyone has a huge office or a huge operation here in Brazil, especially concentrated here in Sao Paulo. So mm-hmm. most of the international companies are here as well, right? So we can yeah. also use Brazil as an entry door even to get back to the U.S. sometimes. So sometimes it's easier to get into these companies through Brazil because it's a smaller operation. They take decisions faster. And once you prove the case, you can try to uh, get back to the headquarters. So that's also yeah. been working well. Very interesting. Very interesting. This is a great conversation. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So, uh, is there anything else that you want to add to um, what we have discussed on your business or your sweet spot, your investment thesis before we close off? No, I think uh, it was it was very great questions. Uh, we are very excited to actually prove this value. When we started back in 2016, we were trying to you know make it work. It was like more like an investment thesis than anything in reality. But now that we have around nine companies already doing business in Brazil, and we have invested in more than 35 in these two geographies, we have really been able to prove that this really works and that Brazil is a a very good platform for expansion for international startups. So that's pretty fulfilling for us, and uh, we are really looking forward to finding more companies and working closely to other VCs. Very good. Well, uh, thank you for coming today and sharing your perspective. And audience, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Meanwhile, do come to the roundtables with your projects and we'll work on your, uh, uh, on your business and strategize and see how we can help you remove some roadblocks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.